0: Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God who heals be with you this day. Amen. We continue our series that we've been in for the last several weeks, revealing Jesus, looking at how the identity of Jesus was demonstrated along the way as people became aware of who he was. For some, it was kind of a lightning bolt moment or a revelation that happened Somehow, some way, it's unclear. The Magi, for example, that we talked about several weeks ago now, how did they know to follow the star? I mean, they're looking up at the sky, something looked different. They followed the star, they found the one who was born to be the king of the Jews. Other people, not quite so sure who Jesus was, and he didn't show up like wearing an identification badge, right? That that showed, right, who he was. He didn't have the the heaven logo on a shirt that meant, yeah, I work here. (laughs) He didn't have a name tag on that said, I'm Jesus and I'm here to save you. None of that. He showed up looking like a regular person doing extraordinary things. John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus. He told people to prepare for his arrival, but even that declaration was somewhat mysterious right after me is coming one whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie he will baptize you with fire like his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor like what does that mean (laughs) so Jesus doesn't come onto the scene with people expecting who he was going to be and what it was going to look like and you know Here he is. There were no trumpets and motorcades and parades when he first started in his ministry. But he showed people who he was. Through word and action, his presence and power became known. And actions speak louder than words. That's an idiom we've all lived, right? Actions speak louder than words. Sometimes those words are intentions. I'm going to get to that next week. (laughs) I'll do that on Friday. Maybe we never declare what Friday it's going to be. It'll be a Friday. Or feelings. I love you. Or an affirmation or agreement. I believe that if the actions that follow those words don't match with the declaration that's made, it doesn't make sense, right? If the person who says, I'll get to that next week, and the week comes and goes, and well, the pile's still there. The work still needs to be done. The you know, chore isn't finished, or whatever it is, you know, in in a company the quote isn't sent, the manufacturing doesn't get done, the project isn't completed. Whatever it is, I'll get to it next week only makes a difference if they get to it next week. Otherwise, what do we call that? Hypocrisy, right? Words without actions are meaningless. The words I love you, if they're not backed up with Actions that demonstrate love, are they believed? Or the statement, I believe that. If actions seem to go a different direction, it doesn't make sense. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Effectively, evaluate the tree by the fruit. Our actions really demonstrate who we are. And when you get empty promises, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. It can be a source of anger. When I was working as an engineer, I worked for a small company. It was about 10 people employed in this small business. And um, the, the owner was also the boss. It's one of those kind of small companies where he worked there. And, you know, it was a rep... Uh, manufacturer's representative for a few different corporations. And so, you know, there were parts and things that we sold as a company. My job was to be in the office so that if people had technical questions, I could try to answer them. Um, One time he said to us, hey, this spring, we're all going to go to the country club where I live, and we're going to have a round of golf for everybody and probably follow that with dinner or something. And, you know, days turned into weeks, weeks turned into a couple of months, and no golf outing, no country club dinner. Disappointment. What made it worse was that we found out, after some weeks, that the sales staff did go and play golf with the boss. Okay, I see how it is. (laughs) So words without actions are meaningless. At the same time, deeds without words can be confusing. Don't we sometimes want to know why? And that's not just a question for toddlers, right? Why? Do that. Why? You eventually get to the I said so. That's why. But we want to know why. We want to know what motivates people. We want to understand, especially... And when things aren't making clear sense to us, context is king. Explanations are often needed for understanding. I eventually asked the boss owner about that in my exit interview. I was done. So words without actions are meaningless. Deeds without words can be confusing. We need both words and deeds. And the authority of Jesus is demonstrated in both word and deed. Jesus taught with authority. Verse 32. So early in the reading um, that we had from our gospel. They were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. His teaching, his word possessed authority. Authority. This is not what they're used to. Because Jesus was making declarations about things, preaching about things that weren't exactly the same as the other rabbis of the time, the other teachers of the time, most of whom were parrots. They'd hear it, they'd repeat it there was a few key players in that a few kind of a rabbis at the top of the of the pyramid <laughs> and, and the, all the other ones would just repeat what they heard they would you know hear it and they would say it and that would be how wisdom and information kind of trickled down to the people but jesus came along and was countercultural. he was you know saying this is how it is or he would even say you have heard it said but i say to you so his teaching had authority in it and his actions matched his words sometimes he didn't say what he was doing or what he was about he would just do something and and let some questions kind of linger in the air or in the minds especially of the religious elite the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, others who were always like, wait a second, you did that today? What time is it? (laughs) Or how do you have the authority or the power? By what right do you forgive sin? No one forgives sin but God alone. And he would just leave that there in their heads and in their hearts So they were wondering, who is this person? Among his actions, among the things that Jesus did that demonstrated his authority and his power, is this, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. And we're all infected. We're all infected. There's a brokenness in this world. There's a brokenness that surrounds us and is even in us, right, in our lives. We've been living under a pandemic now for about two years, and the evidence is all around us as I look out at this sea of masked faces. (laughs) The evidence is not just in the mask wearing and the things we can and can't do or should and shouldn't do. The evidence is in this feeling, right, of isolation, of separation. When you get ready to leave your house, do you go through the whole checklist? Do I have a, ah, okay, I got my mask. And where am I going and what can I do and how long can I stay and who's going to be there? Or do you, when you to start to talk to someone, do you, start, do you have that, like, I don't remember how to do this anymore kind of feeling it's not just that we wear masks and that we see statistics it's that it's affected us even on the inside right our relationships are kind of weird now you talk to somebody and you keep kind of like you stay over there i'll be here (laughs) like at least arm's length right like i don't know when's the last time you hugged somebody and thought, this is fine, who didn't live in your house. <laughs> We're affected and infected, and it's way more than just COVID, though, right? It's way more than that. Our bodies are subject to disease, to decay, to death. Illnesses that we pray about are a significant portion of our prayers, of our needs. Not just illnesses, but chronic things, cancer, cancer incurable diseases, even the healthiest among us, is subject to death. At some point, I mean, we all, you know, have that in our future somewhere. Ben Franklin said it, right? Death and taxes. And we can be sure about taxes. So it's there. It lingers. We heard these words in Jeremiah 17, that the heart is desperately sick. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Are your heart sick? I think what Jeremiah is getting at is just our, our emotions, our feelings, the thoughts of our hearts. We're desperately sick. We're emotionally ill. And not because of a pandemic and that separation, but just in our nature. It is Broken. And worst of all, the pandemic of sin. We know our failures. We know where we have let other people down, where we have in our minds known what we should do, and even with the best of intentions and words that we said, I'm gonna do it, we didn't do it. Or we know what we shouldn't have done. And you know, even With the best of our intentions, I'm not going to... And then we fell into that temptation. And you know that you could take stock of that, and you could make your list, and I could make my list, and we could all hide our lists from each other because we don't want each other to know that we're broken just like everyone else is. That we failed just like everyone else has. But Jesus spoke words of healing. Jesus heals. He spoke these words of healing. In Matthew chapter 8, there's a centurion that's with Jesus, and there's a, a, a sick servant, and the centurion says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. The centurion demonstrates a trust in the power of Jesus to speak healing into the lives of people. And then we see it here in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus rebuked demons. Verse 35, Jesus rebuked him, the person with a demonic spirit, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And it came out, having done him no harm. He could speak healing into the lives of people, spiritual healing. And with Peter's mother in law, who was sick with the fever, he came near her and rebuked the fever. That's what it says in the beginning of verse 39. Stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. Powerful words on the lips of Jesus Lazarus, come out. Lazarus was dead. And the words of Jesus, powerful words, the word made flesh, spoke and things happened. Word and action, his touch made people well. Verse 40, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Imagine the touch of Jesus. Bring him your hurt, your disease, your illness, your suffering, and he could touch it and you would walk away well. The eyes of the blind man, the hand of the leper, even the coffin of the widow's son at Nain, and that's in Luke chapter 7. The touch of Jesus. Restoration and healing was happening. Even a woman could touch the hem of his garment in Luke chapter 8 and receive healing in that moment. And Jesus healed body, soul, and mind. See, it's not just about physical health. There's a wholeness about what Jesus does. There's a wholeness a uh, a holistic in a good way, uh, healing that Jesus offers. He's casting out demons. He's healing disease. He's easing minds, and he forgave sin. That Jesus went to preach good news of the kingdom of God, verse 49, it was more than just physical healing and casting out demons. He was doing those things to demonstrate his power and his authority as the son of God so that people would receive healing and grace and mercy and forgiveness. He brought the kingdom and he invites us into that kingdom. In his kingdom we are whole. Now people look for wholeness in healing in all kinds of places. right? Libraries and bookstores are full of self-help books. And know how to overcome ideas. How to cure with you know this mix of ingredients, self cures, home cures. And then there's modern medicine, Wonder Drug, fad cure ideas, all kinds of things. Was it I think it's the musical Oklahoma. What's the guy selling? Remember Ali Hackam, that character? We lived in Oklahoma, and I was in the musical when I was um, in high school, in the pit orchestra, so I, just, I got to see the whole thing and, and play the string bass, which was kind of cool. But I remember that character, and then later my nephew was in the same musical, and this one character, and if you've seen the, either the film or the, the play, you know, he's, he comes to town, and he's, just, he's the you know, snake oil salesman, right? He's got the wagon and all the things, and you need this. And he, you know, that's the idea. I think there's one of those in the Wizard of Oz too, isn't there? Right? So we have this idea that that's like an old thing, and people with wagons and horses and coming to the old town, right? That still happens. Because we don't have wagons. We have the Internet. Because people try to sell all kinds of cures, and people are looking for cures, desperate for cures. Instead, what we should do is seek Jesus. Verse 42. When it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him. Why? Because he was curing them. He was healing them. So be healed. Be healed. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. That was in Jeremiah 17. I would like to say that every illness and disease that we experience will be cured. You simply come to Jesus, and here you go, and Jesus is going to heal you. I'd love to say that, but I cannot promise you that. Because we still live in a broken world. We still live in this place of brokenness. In Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come, but we're in this now and not yet tension of the now of creation and the now of our lives and the not yet of the kingdom of God being fully realized in our midst. And that's hard, isn't it? Because we know the power of the one who heals and cures and forgives and gives grace and mercy and abundant blessing. And we live with brokenness and pain. In a world that has diseases and pandemics in it. And if Jesus would just heal all the believers of the pandemic and none of us would suffer from COVID, we could take our masks off and be done with it, well, that'd be good PR. PR. But that's not what he's about. He offers us grace and mercy in this broken world. And we aspire to and long for and look forward to the kingdom when it's fully realized and we are in it. Then, no more tears. No more pain. No more suffering. We receive spiritual healing now. We receive the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus, and we get that now. As we receive the real body and blood of Jesus in the sacrament, we receive that grace and mercy and forgiveness and wholeness and healing and freedom and peace. And we get that today. And we get that healing in our soul Today, but we still live in the broken world. And we await the fullness of that kingdom. In our Bible class, we're talking about what that's going to look like. As we talk about the signs of the times and the signs of the end, we, right now, starting last week, and, and we'll continue and finish that this week, is what's that look like? What's the end look like? What are we looking forward to? So if that's unfamiliar, Stay tuned or come on over uh, to the Bible class and we'll talk about it. In the meantime, as we await the fullness of the kingdom, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Luke, Luke uh, 4, the end of verse 39, after the fever is rebuked and leaves Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she immediately rose and began to serve them. This is the response to the grace we receive. To rise and serve. Along with Peter's mother-in-law, we can serve the Lord. And she served as she was able. It didn't say she did things that were out of the ordinary or for which she wasn't gifted or equipped or prepared. She served. She found something to do and she did it. Likely, it was hosting or preparing food or something of that nature. It doesn't really say. The Chosen, which is a video series, and um, some have seen it. It's pretty well done. I've, we've watched the first two seasons, and, and that scene is, is in there. The mother-in-law is sick, and they expect that she's dying, and Jesus comes, and she's healed. And she gets up, and she's, like, ready to make a meal. It's pretty fun, pretty exciting. We can serve. So be healed, serve the Lord, and proclaim the good news. In this gospel reading, the reports of him spread to the surrounding territory. This is how the news spreads. From word of mouth, from person to person, from one person who has received healing telling others, or one person who's witnessed what God can do telling other people about it. Share the identity of Jesus. Bring the gospel of the kingdom to new places, to new people. And remember that actions speak louder than words. That our actions, our lives, should look like people of faith. People whose faith makes a difference in our lives because we want to glorify Jesus in what we do. We want to reveal him. To people who don't yet know him. So that Jesus can be glorified in this broken world. As we look forward to the next. In the name of Jesus. Amen.